Welcome to Teaching Takeaways Season 2, Episode 9. I'm your host, Amanda, and I'm glad you're here. This podcast series is about sharing favorite tools, strategies, thoughts, and fun finds on all things education. If you have any connection to the education field and want to finesse your craft, this is the space to hang out and grab a piece of instant relevance. A takeaway you can apply to your classroom the very same day. Today's tech tip is all about reopening closed tabs. Have you ever accidentally closed out your browser and realized you still needed some or all of the open tabs? I have, and it's super frustrating. Sheer panic or annoyance can quickly set in when this occurs, but not any longer. There's a quick remedy for accidentally closing out your tabs. If you're on a Mac, And using Chrome, all you have to do is press Command-Shift-T and your uh, recently opened tabs will reopen for you. If you're on a PC, you do the same thing, but instead of pushing Command, you push Control-Shift-T. Easy peasy fix and I hope a bright spot in your teaching day. Is there a technology question you wonder about? If so, reach out and I'm happy to help. I will feature tech questions in the form of tips and future episodes here on the podcast. Friends, today I want to share part two of the conversation I had the pleasure of having with the dynamic duo, Joe and Kristen Merrill, authors of the book, The Interactive Class. Are you ready for it? Here we go. user-friendly for anybody and wherever they are at in their educational journey, whether they're in, you know, whether they're a one-to-one school or small group technology amounts, or just maybe even a smart board or nothing at all. This book is for any teacher in any classroom with any uh, amount of resources. And I just think that is fabulous. And I can't speak enough. I actually want to lead a book study this year on this book um, in particular because our school is going one-to-one iPad. So the middle school and high school is one-to-one MacBooks, but um, this is the first year that we're about ready to go into that the elementary schools will be one-to-one iPads. And um, Joe, I noticed on the website that you have uh, recent experience with implementing one-to-one iPads and, and yeah. I guess the first grade classroom. And I wanted to know, like, how was it? And do you have some tips for teachers that are going one-to-one or maybe even are currently one-to-one, but could tweak something to make it more engaging? Absolutely. First of all, I got to say, uh, your district is doing it the right way. I'm so excited for that you. That is amazing. <laughs> um, you know, our, our whole motto, and I think we said it before, but maybe we didn't, uh, you know, creation over consumption. And Apple, iPads, MacBooks, those are creative platforms, uh, or I shouldn't say platforms, uh, you know, devices where you're creating stuff. Um, And so it's not very businessy, I guess you could say. And so uh, the ability to use those tools is phenomenal for students. And that's how you really get those higher levels of creative thinking. Uh, But going one-to-one, you know, it sounds like this 
easy, amazing experience. It's gonna, everything's gonna be the same. Everyone's gonna have a device. Everything's just gonna go so well. And that is definitely not the case. <laughs> um, you know, my biggest uh, takeaway from going one to one was um, you wanna make sure that the devices are all numbered, whether they have, you know, a wallpaper or lock screen. I was screen. just gonna say, we make lock screens that have like the numbers on them. Or um, if you, uh, even if you can get uh, Apple Classroom installed on the devices, uh, what that'll do is it's a it's an app that I'm not sure maybe I, maybe you're familiar with this, but it's an app that uh, teachers are able to basically control the other devices in the classroom. It's very easy. It all works kind of through Bluetooth, I believe, and handoff is what it is. Uh, but what it does is like let's say for example that you wanted the class to open up an app and you want everybody to have that same app open at one time, you can just press with the uh, the teacher device and then it opens up on all the other devices. So um, I have a love-hate relationship with that because there is a little bit of digital citizenship that you know we should expect from our students. They should be able to do some of those things. But I also understand that you know as teachers we have a busy schedule. We've got to you know get the party going, and so uh, sometimes it's just easier to push those directions out and say, "Here we go." Um, but you know definitely you know making sure that you have your iPads numbered. And then the other thing I would say, maybe I think you would agree too, is finding a good charging station. Um, that that's not necessarily always uh, have to be an expensive option. We use a dish rack for many, many years and zip tied like no, surge protectors in the back. I like our charging stations that we have now, those nice ones with the cord. Oh my god, sorry. And usually if your district goes one to one, they'll probably give you a way to charge them. Um, I would say another tip that really helped is of the lock screens on the iPads, whereas the background you can make um, numbers, but on the lock screen, I have like um, a set of rules for our iPads that are on all of the iPads that I've set. And we always talk about them at the beginning before we use them, like simple things like we don't leave them on the floor. Um, we don't, silly, like we don't charge them until they're below a certain percent because I want the, you know, the batteries to go, you know, like whatever, we only go on the app that we are asked to be on. Like this, like almost like a contract. And like when they open up that iPad, they're agreeing to do all of those things. Like we won't have any drinks or waters near, near my iPads. Um, and that's really helped because it, it allows you to kind of set that, those rules of the kids ahead of time. And then the other one I would say is pick like one thing on the iPad to learn really well, model it, like model whatever that is, whether it's Flipgrid or um, pick collage, whatever it is you're doing and get really good at it. And then maybe add something else in and then get really good at it. Now you have two things and then add another thing. And I think a lot of times where teachers get overwhelmed is they have these devices and they just try to use them for every single thing and every single lesson. And they've never really modeled it. And they takes a lot of time. And then they just like throw them off to the side. Like I'm not doing this because <laughs> it's way too time consuming. And I'd go the direction 17 times and, and that whole modeling step is missed. And left out. So I would say if you're going one to one, that's awesome. So each week, maybe think of like one app or way that you're going to use that iPad and start integrating it. And then by the end of the first quarter, you're going to have nine or 10 different ways to use it. And as the year grows, they're going to get more proficient to where you could use it all the time for everything. I love that. And that kind of leads me to the app smashing that you guys talk about throughout the book. You want to let our listeners know a little bit about app smashing? Yeah, you know, app smashing really came out of the the one-to-one -one iPad idea, you know, and, and that ability for students to create something in one app and then save it to the camera roll and then upload it to another app to create some, like, published version of that particular file. Um, you can do that with all sorts of different apps, but usually we always find ourselves working with one app and most of the time ending in Flipgrid because it's such an easy platform for students to share out what they're thinking and on top of that, too, educators can then share out the responses to families at home. And so it's just a really easy way to kind of house everything and keep everything organized. 
but app smashing definitely is a level up, I guess you, as you would say, or saying, and it's a really great way to get your kids to think kind of outside of the box and take their learning to the next level. Yeah. I mean, I think we love Flipgrid and I will not say that they are perfect. They are pretty darn close. Um, but the idea of app smashing too, is that apps, there, you you pick your app and what you're going to use depending on what your task is in your classroom. And there's not always an app that hits like every single task you need done. So there, the designing might be done in Adobe, but then you need there to be a, a group collaboration and everyone can't see it if it's in Adobe. So you got to get it somewhere else. And then, and so that app smashing comes when you're trying to complete a task that maybe not one single app can do for you. Um, and so that's kind of where it started. And then also, like Joe mentioned, sharing it out and getting it out of whatever app you're working in because we want our students' work to be authentic. And if they just are working on a computer or on an iPad and their work never leaves that space that they're working in, they're very quickly going to come up with, come and, and develop that attitude of like, well, why are we doing this? Like, like, what's the point? You know, because no one's seeing it. No one's getting to, you know, respond to it, reflect on it criticize it, critique, whatever it is. And so whether it's just sharing with the parents, whether it's sharing with the class, whether it's sharing with the school, however you share out, students' work needs to be shared. It needs to, they need to be seeing, seeing that their work and their thinking is valuable. Yeah, and once they realize that they're creating for a broader audience than what's just in the four walls of your classroom, then they're going to take it more seriously. They're going to make sure that, you know, it, it's not just halfway done, right, and submitted. They're going to really take the time to make sure that it looks good, that the content is appropriate, and that, you know, they successfully have completed whatever the prompt might be. Um, and by doing that, like Kristen said, you know, and sharing it out with families at home or, you know, maybe even on social media or something like that, the kids quickly realize that, you know what, like my work does matter and that I, I'm not the only person that's going to see this and I want to make sure that this work is representing myself and my learning well. Isn't that like the underlying like foundation of digital citizenship to begin with, right? Understanding that you have this footprint of what you're going to do and make mm -hmm. and that people are going to see it. In fourth grade, we say we're creating our own reputation, right? And and that idea that what we do, we need to think about it ahead of time because our voice has power and we have you know space in this place to, to do things with. And um, and so I think I think AppSession kind of came out of both of those those, I don't know, theories or those things that we were seeing in our classroom. And I, I love that. And I definitely think, you know, as we're talking about different uh, spaces and journeys that educators are on, I think that those that are more comfortable with the technology doing app smashing, you know, is a level to differentiate their, you know, journey as well. Mm -hmm. So I think that is fabulous. And you were talking about sharing student work and so that they know that it is, you know, to a more broad audience, uh, bigger than their four walls. I noticed, Kristen, that you do a class Instagram page. <laughs> now, how does that work with your, and then also with Flipgrid, do you allow parents to have a window into their child's Flipgrid, or is it just snippets on the Instagram, which facilitates dinner time conversation for the child to then go in to show the parent, you know, as they log in? How does that work? Yeah, so the Instagram page came a couple years ago. Um, my classroom Instagram page really is for my parents. I, I am, I'm connected with a few educators on there, but it really is to be a window into the classroom. And it came about a couple of years ago when I realized that I wasn't getting parents on Twitter. Like that is not where they, I was hitting them. And Facebook is a little bit older generation. And so Twitter, I mean, Instagram was where my parents were going. 
I was getting more traffic of parents coming through. I even had some parents who that was my only means of communication. They didn't email. They didn't. So what I generally do is that that is my space for exactly like you said. We highlight fun things we're doing. Um, we share. I try on a, a good day to share something every day. Um, it's a place to document. My kids also have individual um, like portfolios and profiles. Um, you can do this in a lot of different ways. You, um, I usually use Seesaw, but I mean, it could be done in an, an, um, any way you want. And that's where more of their private work, um, their flip grids, I, I'll take the time to, to batch download them and shoot them over there so they and their parents can see them. The things in the in, on the Instagram are more of a collaborative classroom. Here's how our day went kind of a thing. You don't even need to download the videos though, but you can always just copy the link from Flipgrid and put that on the CSO. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like yeah. you can you can go through each one or you can download the video, whichever mat whichever format you choose. But that that that's on the back end. Uh, and I usually get most of my parents to do that, but it is fun. And I'm not gonna lie, when the kids see you out with your phone and you're recording something, they do. They go home and sure enough, there's the parents that click on the kids go, look what we did today. And they and you can see them watch through. You know, and I would add to that because I see in first grade all the time too. If I pull my phone out, it's almost like an instant classroom management device yep. because the kids know that this is going to be documented on to <laughs> Instagram or Facebook and that their families are going to see what I'm about to do. And so they make sure that, uh, you know, they're on task and they're focused. And, you know, we always read that book, Officer of Gloria and Buckle in the beginning yeah. of the year. Officer and Buckle and Gloria. Did I say it right? I yeah. don't know. Is it Officer Buckle and Gloria? <laughs> right? Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. Because Gloria. Yeah. It's the dog. Uh, and so um, one of the things that if you've read that book is that the dog in the background is always creating some type of a scene. And so we always make the joke of, you know, don't be a Gloria in the background of your <laughs> Flipgrid video. Because if you're back in the background doing something silly, it's going to be seen. And Johnny's and mom's gonna see it. You're, you know, <laughs> you're well, even worse, your mom could see it and say, Why aren't you why weren't you on task during uh, this lesson? So it's almost like an instant classroom management tool. Well, I love that. Now, um, I was gonna ask you something else about that. So with that strategy, could you offer like one like one nugget of goodness that teachers at back to school um, from your book could instantly use to, you know, I guess make them feel more comfortable. Like, oh, if we try this, you know, kind of get them hooked on, gosh, I need to Amazon Prime the book to my house right now. Uh, what would be one of those strategies that you wouldn't mind sharing? Um, mine's not techie. Mine's not a super techie strategy. But one of my favorite activities that came from the book, um, and I'm getting ready to to prep it for this year are, I guess it's getting this coined term now of like walk up songs. Um, but every day at the very, the very first day of school, I always tell the kids they're gonna have homework and they get like so ticked. And, and I give them the song and they have to choose a song that they think represents who they are and keep it a secret. And then we use those songs um, as, you could do it as a greeting song when they come in the door. I tend to do it as a pack up song at the end of the day. And then we have to try to guess who that song belongs to and then the child like owns it and they get to kind of like introduce themselves and just a really really fun way because music just brings everybody together and I have had some kids pick some wacky songs like not <laughs> things that I would listen to maybe you're like 40 years older than you like in your mind but the kids don't ever really judge the songs they're just like oh who is this and why did they pick that and it's just such a fun thing and then you end up developing this like class playlist and so it's usually so popular that I end up doing it once a quarter with my class. And then those are the songs that we use during center time or, and there's already like an instant like ownership to it. And so I, that one's not even really tech related, but it's a great first week, like get to know you that you can kind of implement throughout the year 
reuse, revisit. And um, I, I don't know, I just love, I like that one. I'm glad you didn't say the one that I was going to say. What were you going to say? It's also not tech related. Um, one of the things that we do, and if you're a kindergarten teacher, I'm sorry, this one won't work for you, but um, <laughs> if you teach first grade or above, you can buy a yearbook from the year before. Oh, yeah, we do that. And then once you get your class list, memorize your kids' names before they walk in the door because I'm telling you there is no greater feeling than when your student walks through the door and you already know their name and the look on their face <laughs> and the look on their family's faces when they know that you already know their name is You've, priceless. They're hooked. Like yeah, the, hooked. you can tell like the parents are so like appreciative, like wow. Like how but it is funny because I don't know how schools do it. We don't get our list to like yeah. maybe a day before the kids show up. So we are literally those like morons and they like taking pictures like flicking through our phone like okay 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 like trying to memorize all the kids as fast as we can because there's always ones that we don't know but that's a good one like that that is something that um it's harder for you because i get to learn some of them as they come up right, as they yeah. get older and older but that's a really important one you know and and learning how to say their names too if you're unsure yep. like hi you know i'm so and so um maybe even saying their last name like are you is this the davis family What's your name? Like, so you can make sure you say their name correctly and you acknowledge them. It's it's important. Yeah, I, I, would, I mean, I would even go a step further and I would try to say the name and then say, I'm sorry if I'm not saying that right. Because I mean, at least then they know that you've made the effort to, to get to know them too. Mm -hmm. And it's a much more welcoming feeling, I think. That's a good one. Those are good ones. And those are just like little snippets of what the book has to offer. I mean, I definitely vote for instead of doing a reprint, do like a volume two. <laughs> do volume two? Oh, man. We have to think of like what other cool things we could add. Now to. is not a good time to do <laughs> Yeah, we are like, woo. It's, if we're feeling that with everyone else, I don't know when you go back to school. We go back to, we go back on Tuesday. So, speakers. Uh, oh. So it's, it's starting quickly, but, um, I think, you know, even just listening to Joe talk about like your officer and glory, there, I think there are things that we've done since then, um, that we, we, we will want to share out again, eventually somehow, maybe we do do a volume two, um, and maybe get some of those other apps and things that we were, we were made to omit in the first book yeah, to maybe. cut it short. Um, but our blog is a great place too, for people who want to see all that, like, going to soon be maybe one day volume two content because we do share a lot of the things that we're doing pretty real time. Like we have a really good lesson or something. We try to get out within that week mm -hmm. and share out what we did um, because obviously that's what we feel like educators uh, need to do, especially in times like now band together, support one another, share, share. Mm -hmm. I love it. Now, if you could turn back the time and talk to your newer teacher self, what would you tell yourself? Oh my gosh. Oh man. Don't um, do homework. <laughs> yeah. I would just say so many things, you know, I, I don't even think you need to go back that far. Honestly, like mm -hmm. I think you can probably just rephrase the question to pre pan pre pandemic teaching, right? You know, what were some of those things that you thought were so important that then after you had to go and teach remotely, you realize, you know what, that really wasn't that important. Um, you know, I, I think that's a, that's a really important question to kind of reflect on. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I would just say uh, to new teachers or to my, my, my past teacher self, you're, you're thrown into this fishbowl where you need to learn from other people. And as a new teacher, you rely very heavily on those around you. They help you. They help you get through all those things. 
but to always look at things and it's okay to get something from someone and be appreciative of it, but not necessarily feel like you have to implement it or use it or that, that it defines you. And so that you can take things from other people and then make them your own. You can also take things and question them and say like, is this really what's best for my kids and my learning? And is this, or is this just what you've done for the last five years? And it's easy, you know, like asking yourself those hard questions. I feel like we don't do as new teachers because we feel like we don't know enough but when in reality, I think you know more than you think, right? And if, if teaching is so much about that responsive relationship, we know how to do that as human beings. So that doesn't have to be taught to us. We have to almost infuse it into where it's been left out in the classroom. And I think I would add to, you know, just find your support system, you know, whether it's being on social media and connecting with, you know, a professional learning network or, you know, it's marrying an amazing teacher, <laughs> you know, find someone who you can continue to bounce ideas off of that you're not going to have your feelings hurt when they tell you that idea is not going to work. Um, or, you know, maybe that's or walk you through the way to get it to work. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I think, you know, finding that and realizing that you need to have that in place mm -hmm. in order to be successful and for your students to be successful. Um, that's really important. Well, I love it. And I have three rapid fire questions. Is that okay? Sure. sure. All right. So, and then we will close it out for today. So if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? I mean, probably the glasses, right? A billboard with <laughs> anything on it. Oh my, I'm the ter most terrible at these kinds of questions. Um, mine would say be kind. My billboard would say be kind. Oh, I thought we were going for like teacher stuff here. Uh, that's the first thing that came to my head. Just be kind. Be nice to people. Like there's so much, especially in the teaching world too, like just be kind. Like you can be you. I can be me. That was my answer. Actually, in all seriousness, I would seriously put up student work. That'd be awesome. All right. There you go. <laughs> I love it. So right, you're, great bulletin board. you're so weird. <laughs> number two, what are you curious about right now? Uh, next year, <laughs> what, how will it pan out? I think, you know, like it's such a weird time. Um, it, it's a very fluid situation. I know I, that's so cliche to say, uh, but what we thought was going to happen a week ago has already changed at school. And so, you know, it, it's just being able to roll those punches. And so I guess I'm more curious of how's this all going to look in a month? Yeah, I'm curious about, I've been reading a book a lot about like, brain development and learning. I'm really looking into the idea of like merging the old ways of teaching, the memorization and whatever with the new, the interactive ideas and how to balance those. And um, there's a lot of brain research that necessarily doesn't say you have to get rid of all to, to have the other. So I, I'm, I'm in a stage of learning right now of just trying to learn more about how kids learn um, so that we can continue making those responsive choices. I love it. And the last question for you both is what we've talked a lot about education today because that was kind of the point, but you are more than teachers and you're more than book authors. What is your favorite way to spend time outside of education? <laughs> I love to like decorate. Like I love to like, we, we got a new house recently. Like I love the idea of, of just decorating, crafting, in, spatially creating spaces that are fun. Like I would say I, I do that a lot. Um, try not to take on any more projects right now because we don't have time, but I, I enjoy doing that kind of stuff. If you've read the book, you probably know a little bit about my background, but it's music, you know? And so anything with music, um, you know, whether it's playing an instrument or even listening to music, 
um, that is yeah. He has an out of control vinyl record collection that needs to be like seriously, seriously toned down a little bit at this point. But that is definitely a pa a passion of his. I love it. Now, if our listeners want to go and find you, I know you're on Twitter and Instagram, but can you share with them the best um, way and what your handles are for those sites? Yeah, we're at the Merrill's EDU everywhere. Uh, so if you're on TikTok, you know, LinkedIn, any of those other places, we're at the Merrill's EDU. Two R's, two L's because? Because there's two of us. Um, we do that. have individual Twitter accounts and Instagram accounts that tend to be more classroom related. So like if you're like a fourth grade teacher, you want to follow, you know, um, friends in fourth and you'll get more fourth grade. If you want to follow, you know, Joe's Twitter Mr. Merrill's, Mr. Class. Merrill's class, then you might, if you're a first grade teacher, but the Merrill's EDU is where we try to share the things how that are to. the how to's and the things that are applicable to, you know, the wide mass variety of people. Yeah. And then you can also check us out on our website, the Merrill's edu.com. Yeah. Um, if you are not on social media and you want to send us an email, there's a contact page on there. Our blog is on there. Is all, on there. We have a resource page of a bunch of free things and that'll link you out to a lot of the other places too. Fantastic. Well, I, again, appreciate your time today because time is um, very precious and you can't get it back. So thanks for investing in this and doing all of your fabulousness. And if we can, maybe once we get into the school year, meet back up on here to talk about your second book. Um, that would be pretty awesome, too. Yeah, that would yeah, be awesome. We should you. do it. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. This has been great. Awesome. Well, you two get some rest. Enjoy your last day-ish of summer <laughs> and um, have a fabulous 2021-2022 school year. Same to you. That is it for my conversation with Joe and Kristen Merrill on their book that you can purchase on Amazon, The Interactive Class. If you haven't already done so, I think it's a good use of your time and resources to invest in an amazing school year with active engagement with your class, with easy to use, rolling out ideas, um, super awesome like I mentioned in the first conversation, my colleagues using some of their strategies this year. I love using their strategies and have upped my strategy list for this coming school year that we are currently in. So the interactive class can be found on Amazon. They also have a, another book called The Interactive uh, Class with Flipgrid or something along those lines. I can't remember the exact title, but if you click on The Interactive Class, it will show you their other title that is also on Amazon. If you don't use Flipgrid, definitely investigate the tool and how you can use it this year in your classroom. And later on this school year, we will check back in with Joe and Kristen and have a conversation with that book. Thanks guys so much for listening and until next time. Before I go, I want to leave you all with a question. What are you doing to take care of yourself during this busy back to school season we are in? For me, I'm training for the Chicago Marathon happening October 10th, 2021. I can't wait to hear what you guys are doing out there. Please share on Instagram, Twitter, or by email. I love hearing from you all. If there's ever a topic you would like more information on or want ideas from a previous book chat, DM me on Twitter at Amanda Hallman. 
on Instagram at trainteachteaks or by email teachingtakeaways at gmail.com. Thanks for hanging with me for a piece of instant relevance, a teaching takeaway to use in your classroom the very same day. See you next time for a new teaching takeaway.